and welcome to another episode of Unbundling Competition, the Herbert Smith Freehills Asian Competition Law Podcast Series. My name is Joel Rubin, and I am a competition and regulatory specialist based in the HSF Tokyo office. As with our other Asian offices, we represent clients that are looking at investing outside of Japan, advising on the various regulatory landscapes and developments in a number of jurisdictions. On today's episode, we are going to talk about one of those developments that is not taking place here in Asia, but that will undoubtedly have a big impact on Asian clients looking to invest in the United Kingdom. In particular, the new National Security and Investment Bill that was introduced to the UK Parliament on 11 November 2020. This bill introduces a new mandatory national security screening regime for certain types of investments into the UK. Joining me today to discuss this is Veronica Roberts, who is a partner in our London office and the head of our Foreign Direct Investment Advisory Team. Veronica, thank you very much for joining us. Veronica, before we talk about the new bill itself, perhaps you could talk us through the existing national security screening regime in the UK. What sort of system exists as of the current date? Sure, thanks, Joel. So at the moment, the general merger control regime in the UK, which is overseen by the CMA, our competition authority, reviews and has the capability to review transactions which meet certain threshold tests. Now, that is a competition review by the competition authority, but the government does have the right to step in and review those transactions from a national security perspective if they have any concerns. And as I said, there are thresholds under that legislation. The UK turnover of the target assets has to be £70 million or more, and there has to be an overlap in activities between the purchaser and the target, giving rise to a share of supply of 25% or more. Now, those thresholds were significantly reduced two years ago and also earlier this summer in six sectors and those six sectors covered military dual-use products, certain types of technology and computing hardware and there have been national security reviews under the general merger control review but there are a couple of issues with that regime. First of all, there's no certainty as to when the Secretary of State for Trade and Industry would actually want to review a transaction from a national security perspective. And also, as I mentioned, the review body is actually the competition authority. So you end up, when you are doing a national security review, dealing with the competition authority almost as a middleman with the government. Thank you very much. So, so what are the key changes that the bill would bring about, uh, assuming that it's passed in its current form? Sure. So the bill was introduced last week, and it's anticipated that it will come fully in force in spring next year. And at that point, it will introduce mandatory notification for investments of 15% or more in 17 specified sectors. Now, I won't list those out here because they're available on the web page, but you can see that it's quite a broad range of sectors uh, in the UK. And there will also be a mandatory notification obligation whenever an investment passes certain thresholds. So going over 25%, over 50%, 
or over 75% shareholding in a company in those sectors. So that's mandatory notification. There will also be voluntary notification for any acquisitions of assets or intellectual properties in those 17 sectors. And outside of those 17 sectors, there will be voluntary notification for any acquisition at all. And there are some pretty strict sanctions. If a deal should have been notified under those mandatory provisions and is not notified, the deal itself will be void. And there will also be a risk of fines, imprisonment and director disqualification. And the other important thing to note, Joel, is that there won't actually be any materiality thresholds. I talked before about there being a turnover threshold in general merger control in the UK, but there won't be any materiality thresholds under this new regime. Understood. Thank you very much. I know that the new screening system uh, under the bill has been referred to as an FDI screening system, but that's, that's, as I understand it, a slight misnomer because technically UK investors will also be subject to screening. Is there a particular type of investor that this new screening system is principally aimed at? Yes, you're right. When, when it comes to notification obligation, all investors are on a level playing field and UK investors will also have to make notifications where their transactions are in the mandatory sectors. But the government, in the paperwork that it's put out, has said that it will be particularly focused on any investors that have links to what it's describing as hostile actors. The real focus of this regime is on protecting the UK's national security. So that's going to be their focus when they look at the investors. Now, they have said that call-ins to review transactions in more detail are more likely where the investor is foreign. But they have specifically called out that it's no more likely just because the investor is a state-owned enterprise. They will be looking behind the investor to see what links that investor may have to what they're calling hostile actors. Now, I'm sure it will be the case once this regime actually gets up and going that investors from some countries will end up being cleared more easily and more quickly. But as I say, it, it is a regime that is applicable to all investors in terms of the notification obligations. Okay. What, what about the broader context? I know we've seen a lot of recent legislative changes around security screening and, and foreign direct investment, um, not only in the UK, but elsewhere in Europe, in, in North America, um, and the Asia-Pacific region uh, in particular, including here in Japan. Uh, and a lot of this appears to have been driven by COVID-19 um, and, and perhaps a perceived need to protect domestic companies that are, are struggling financially. What's, what's the background of this bill? Why has it been introduced now? Is, is it COVID-related or is it something more? That's a good question, Joel. Um, I, I think there is an element of it that is COVID-related, particularly in terms of timing. As you say, we've seen a lot of FDI regime change in neighbouring countries in Europe. But there is more of a background to this bill. It's something that the government's been talking about for about four or five years now. And we saw a draft proposal in a white paper two years ago in the summer of 2018 which was similar 
to the bill that was introduced last week, although there are a couple of significant differences. Before, the government was talking about voluntary filing across sectors, like our general merger control regime. But as I mentioned, they've now moved to having a mandatory notification element to some of it. But I think the other thing that we should also think about is the fact that we are, of course, about to exit from the European Union. And the government has said that it's more important than ever that we've got the right foreign investment strategy at this point in time. In fact, in the same week, last week, the government announced the opening of a new office for investment. And the stated aim of that office is, in a post-Brexit world, to attract even more foreign investment into the UK. So the government has said that although it thinks it's important to have a national security review regime, it wants to welcome the right sort of foreign investment with open arms and, in fact, wants to increase foreign investment going forward, as I mentioned. So we've talked about what the bill is, uh, what changes it would bring about and, and the broader context. How is the new system going to work in practice? So if, if I'm representing a, a Japanese or a Chinese or a Singaporean company that's going to invest in uh, one of the, the 17 critical sectors in the UK, what do they need to be thinking about and, and what is the impact going to be on, on their deals? So I think the first thing to think about will be whether or not uh, mandatory notification will be required. And as I mentioned, there will be mandatory notification where an investor is acquiring 15% or more shareholding in a company in those sectors. And the other point to remember is that if it's an acquisition just of assets or intellectual property in those 17 sectors, then there won't be a mandatory notification. It's a voluntary notification. Uh, but the government will have an important call-in power and the government will be able to call in transactions that have not been reviewed up to six months after the government becomes aware of those transactions and as a long stop up to five years after those transactions have completed. So even if you're not making a filing and you've decided not to make a filing, it, it may also be wise just to put the government on notice of your transaction so that you can set that six-month time period running. Now, the other point to mention, Joel, is that the government does have a call-in power for any other transactions, so transactions falling outside the 17 sectors or as I mentioned, assets and acquisitions of IP within the 17 sectors. And I think it's important for investors to, first of all, work out whether they need to submit a mandatory filing, and if not, assess what the likelihood is of the government being interested in the transaction, and therefore whether a voluntary filing should be submitted. Now, the way that it's actually going to work in practice is that after you've submitted your filing, which the government says will be relatively short form, at the moment they're anticipating around a 10-page questionnaire, which does sound quite lengthy, but is certainly a much shorter version than the merger control filings that we're used to submitting in the UK. After you've submitted that filing, the government will have a 30-working-day review period to either clear the transaction 
all decide that there are national security concerns and it needs to call it in for a more detailed review. That would then set off a further, longer and more detailed review period. And you mentioned uh, earlier about the existing competition-related merger control review system. Is there going to be any impact on that as, as a result of, of these changes? So not really. That competition-related merger review will carry on under the CMA. They will remove the national security intervention provisions from the general merger control legislation so that any national security review will be dealt with by the new government body that will be set up to administer transactions under this new regime. There will be a memorandum of understanding entered into between that government department and the CMA so that they can liaise closely. There will be some transactions that will give rise to potential competition issues as well as national security issues and therefore will be making their way through both processes at around the same time. But, but the timetables aren't completely aligned, and so there will need to be coordination between the two bodies. And ultimately, the government has said that the national security remedies that it might wish to impose on the national security front will trump any competition remedies that the CMA decides are necessary in the general merger review. Having said that, that's not different to the position that we're currently in under general merger control. If the government considers that national security remedies are essential, then they will override any competition remedies that the CMA has decided are needed if they are incompatible. But the government has said that it will try to make sure that the CMA and the government are working together on these transactions where there is a double review. That's really helpful. Thank you, Veronica. So we're, we're recording this podcast uh, in, in mid-November. Uh, the bill is not yet law. But as, as of today, is there anything that Asian companies should be thinking about if they are looking to invest in the UK or possibly even partway through uh, nego negotiating a deal that relates to the UK? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point because the call-in power that the government has, they are saying, will apply back to any deals that are completed or have been completed from the 12th of November onwards. So if you're looking at a deal that's already been signed, you may need to think about getting informal guidance from the UK government as soon as possible if there is any potential national security issue. And the point of doing that would be just to check with them whether or not they would be minded to call in that transaction for review once the bill comes into force in spring next year. And I think it's important to remember that there is a wide definition of nexus to the UK in transactions. So, of course, it applies to targets that are operating in the UK. It equally applies to companies based in other countries who are selling services all goods into the UK. So that's an important point to remember. And then, Joel, any deals that are not yet signed, where, where transaction documentation is currently being negotiated or considered, it is important to consider whether or not you might need a condition for this new national security process in the UK. And if so, factor this into the long stop date. 
Now, of course, uh, there are transactions which may be giving rise to a number of merger control and FDI filings that would be a question of aligning a possible UK process with those other filings. And then finally, Joel, the one additional factor is that companies may wish to do more detailed due diligence on any UK targets so that they can make sure that they've adequately scoped the potential national security risk. Thank you very much, Veronica. I think that's been a really helpful overview. We've obviously talked about the the new UK security screening system on today's episode, but we'll be posting more episodes on uh, foreign direct investment-related topics in the coming weeks. So if anybody listening uh, hasn't already subscribed to our podcast mailing list uh, to find out when new episodes are released, you can do so on the Unbundling Competition webpage. Uh, And you can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.